They're all a little serious this morning. And they're doctor jokes. So. <laughs> so the first one is, I went to the doctor and she said I had acute appendicitis. And I said, compared to who? <laughs> I can tell dad jokes, okay? They can be corny. Um, all right, here's another one. And I hope I don't offend people that have had medical conditions, but I'm just going to... You can talk to Dusty afterwards if you need to. Um, so doctor, I've got, doctor, I've got very bad news. You've got cancer and Alzheimer's. Patient, well, at least I don't have cancer. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Doctor, you're healthy as a horse. Patient, what do you mean? Doctor, as a horse with cancer. <laughs> and then one more cheesy one here. They tried to save him with an IV, but it was all in vain. All right. Okay. Well, I better get going here, otherwise we'll be still doing jokes at the end of my talk here. So... This picture right here is, I mean, I'm going to tell you my story. I'm Aaron. Again, I think Dusty introduced me. I've been part of the Vineyard for about 10 years, and I really appreciated this month where we just get to hear from some different people in our church. I really like hearing from um, Deb and uh, um, Shauna. So it's been really good hearing people's stories, and I'm just going to talk about my story today. So this picture right here is me as a kid, about one and a half years old in Alaska, um, my parents were teachers in a remote village on the tundra, um, and you might wonder why they're smiling so much. Uh, apparently, they say that I was being watched by the babysitter, and I decided to flush my diaper down the toilet, and it shut off the sewage for the entire village for about two days. So that's probably why they're so happy in this picture. So I'm going to break my talk into about three different sections of my life. They're not equal in terms of years, but the first section is going to be from when I was a missionary kid through college. Um, second session, section is going to be um, getting married, medical school, residency. And then the third area is going to be sort of work, this area of struggle, new life. So that's how I'm breaking it up today, just so you know. If you get lost, just know that I'll have some pauses in here. So by the time I was 11 years old, I had moved 12 times with my family. We moved all over the place. So I was born in Wisconsin. My parents got their teaching degrees in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And then shortly after um, I was born, we moved to Idaho and then to Alaska. And they worked with a, um, a village of Native, Alaskan natives, and it was there working with the natives that they felt called to the mission field. They were brand new Christians um, as of their time in college. And so my dad went to seminary in Portland, and then pretty soon we were off to Costa Rica for a year for a language school. My parents, I was, I was five at the time when we moved to Costa Rica, and then Peru for four years. So by the time we came back to the U.S., and we were probably going to be down there a lot longer. We were with a, a group, um, Quaker missionaries, and we probably would have been down there for much longer, but 
there were some differences of opinion with the organization um, at the time, and so they felt it was time to come back to the States. Um, and so that was my, my life growing up as a kid, and so it was pretty much middle school when my dad got a job as an ESL teacher um, in Hood River, Oregon, that, you know, we moved to Hood River and I started sort of going to middle school, high school, sort of the normal um, American uh, schooling at that point. So, while I, while I had the opportunity to learn Spanish as a kid living overseas, um, I sometimes felt frustrated because we constantly were moving, and as soon as I would establish some relationships with kids and other people, we would be, you know, uprooting and going somewhere else. So, um, it was a good and a bad thing, you know, growing up. The good was being exposed to other cultures, learning Spanish, a lot of really good things. Other side of it was just this constant sense of upheaval. And so though I was raised in the church and I was a, a missionary kid growing up, I sort of kept God as a dist at a distance through my teen years. And I, I really believed in him and I had a relationship with him, but I also didn't really want to limit my options. Um, you know, going through my like high school years. So I had, I think I had two misdemeanors by the time I graduated high school. Minor things like paintballing and prank phone calling, which I don't really have anymore. Um, <laughs> caller ID, kind of <laughs> did away with that one. So um, I think I kind of got caught for everything I ever did. So <laughs> God probably had me on a short leash. So, um, so by the end of high school, though, I was... I was a good student, I was getting good grades, um, had a group of friends, um, but I was pretty, pretty far from God. Um, I was sexually involved with my girlfriend um, towards the end of high school, and I was headed to a Christian co-op at Oregon State down in Corvallis, but people that knew me well said, ah, oh, maybe you should join a fraternity instead of going to that co-op, just because of you know, the way I was, was living my life. And... Um, so, and my mom around that time had this dream about a hemp necklace that I used to wear. Remember those hemp necklaces? Um, had a shark tooth on it. And she had this dream that this necklace was just strangling me, and she was trying to get it off of me. And at the time, I, you know, she didn't know exactly what was going on in my life, but um, I had the sense that God was telling me something, and that some of the things in my life were strangling my, uh, my walk with him, strangling me spiritually. So, it was towards the end of my senior year in high school that we started attending a church um, called The Vineyard in Vancouver, Washington. And I'm trying not to get emotional, but um, worship was really great this morning. And I just remember coming from a very you know, pretty conservative church background, we went to this church. And during worship and, and was prayer afterwards, there was just something new happening um, at that time. And I never really experienced worship quite like that before. And um, I could tell God was, what he was doing. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, I could just tell he was doing something in my heart. And so even though I was kind of far from him at the time, I... I started to connect with what, you know, what the Holy Spirit was doing, what God was doing. And so I remember going up after one of the services, and there was a couple guys there for prayer ministry. One guy had a long white beard. He looked like Gandalf. 
and another guy, Gandalf's assistant, and um, they started praying for me. And I didn't, I didn't tell them a whole lot about what was going on in my heart and my life at that time, but they were just speaking uh, words of knowledge over me and things that only, only God could have really known. And so, um, yeah, things, things really started to change for me, and I, I gave my life fully to God that, that summer. I broke things off with my girlfriend, and I met this other girl, this really amazing girl named Erin, between high school and college that summer. So she, this girl named Erin, this redhead, came to my parents' house. She was part of the uh, Vancouver Vineyard at the time. Came to my parents' house to kind of uh, raise support for going to India. She was going to India for two years. We, gradu- we were graduating at the same time. I was just meeting her, but she was going off to India for a church plant for two years right after high school. And I was going off to college. So we exchanged email addresses. Seemed like a nice gal, a little on the bubbly side. <laughs> so um, our friendship kind of began around that time, and um, so during college, I you know I really felt God moving, teaching me. Um, I was I was all in, and I really grew spiritually and emotionally during that time. Um, I was helping to lead some small groups. Uh, I was on the worship team. I was even part of a deliverance ministry at the church, and um, I remember a prophet. This guy who was a was a prophet who visited the church that I was a part of. His name was John Rohr. And he called me up on a Sunday in front of the church and he prophesied some of the following over me. And this is just a little excerpt from that. He said, you are a Daniel in the spirit. My middle name's Daniel. Um, from the moment you set yourself to pray, angels, Michael, Gabriel, are moved into action. You keep praying and believing and keep speaking into the unseen realm. I have given you a gift of prophetic, pastorally, Young men, especially those that are troubled and angry, will be drawn to you. <laughs> and you will lead many to righteousness, says the Lord. It's kind of yeah, emotional sometimes when I read some of that stuff. Um, so really grateful for the way that God, you know, God moved in uh, my life around when I was about 18 and that transition happened. Um, I really don't know what the trajectory, trajectory of my life would have been if things had continued the way they were. Um, this is a picture of a mission trip I did during college. I led a group from our church down to Lima, Peru, and um, we went up in some of these poor neighborhoods. These are some kids flying kites um, outside the city, kind of in a pile of garbage, having a lot of fun. Um, and this reminds me a little bit of growing up, uh, working with the folks that my parents worked with uh, in the outskirts of how to keep up Peru. Oh, and I don't think I mentioned, but this is Atiquipa, Peru, second largest city in Peru. That's me when I was probably about six. My brother was four. My little sister, Kristen, uh, was probably one at the time. My dad with the 80s mustache. <laughs> and my little sister, Catherine, hadn't been born quite yet. So truths that I le- learned during the season were, um, you know, really living life to the fullest and being wide awake means knowing Jesus as both Lord and Savior. So I really felt like, you know, when I was sitting on the fence, kind of doing my thing, also a little bit of part of church, it's kind of the worst of both worlds. I mean, you might as well do one all the way and not try to do both. So I really learned that, uh, you know, when I really gave my heart to God fully, 
life, life really took off in, a, in an amazing way. And um, yeah, I'm really thankful that that happened. And then he uses the experiences in my life to shape who he's calling me to be. So those early years growing up overseas, really key years in terms of shaping me into who I am now. And some of what he speaks to us, or to me, it takes time to come to pass. So it's not an immediate thing when you hear these words, and, I'll, and you'll see later on in my story how some of these things connect. But um, things take time to pass. When God has a word for us or speaks something over us, sometimes it doesn't happen next week, doesn't happen next year, might happen a long time down the road. Um, and he's able to uh, break off things that can choke at the good that he's planted in my heart, so weeding. Um, I also read the parable of the sower recently. I don't think I'm going to read it just because of time, but um, you know, in my life I've had a lot of things that God's spoken that have fallen on different types of ground, right? So sometimes it falls on hard ground and the sun and the, um, the stress kind of just takes it away. Or there are things sometimes in my life that have choked out other, other things that God has spoken to me. And then there's other times where soil's been really good and um, I think God's spoken things and they have come to pass because um, I've had soil that's been ready. Now, Tammy spoke about soil the other day. I'm not going to get into road analogies, though. So, <laughs> All right. So this next section was... Um, after I graduated from college, I sort of thought I had everything figured out. I was on the right track. Um, I had grown spiritually in college. I knew where I was headed. I was going to take a year and work at a clinic in Hood River, Oregon, move back in with my parents for just a year, take the MCAT, which is the med medical school admission test, and then you know start at like OHSU or do, you know, I kind of had everything planned out. And things didn't go quite like I expected. Um, I think probably some of you have experienced that before, too, where you have your life planned out. I think Shauna mentioned that, too. <clears throat> so within a few months of me moving home, my ex-girlfriend burned my parents' house down. And so not, not exactly. Um, I just like saying it that way because it sounds pretty good. <laughs> so we, we had a new puppy, and there was a tradition where we went to uh, Portland to do Christmas shopping and spend one night um, every year. We just do that as a family and then come back. So um, there was a puppy that needed to be watched. So she came over. She was still a family friend. Came over to watch the puppy. And we had a wood stove. And she decided to put the ashes from the wood stove in a box, a pizza box, and put it in the in the garage. And you know, ashes can seem totally cool, and it just takes a little bit. So. Um, about two or three in the morning, she thankfully woke up to flames engulfing, you know, not just the garage that was attached, but the whole house. And luckily she got out of there. But our neighbors called us and said, you might want to come home. Your house is on fire. <laughs> so about three in the morning, we were heading from Portland back to, back to Hood River to see what was going on. And we were walking to the house with the firefighters. You know, I put things out, but it was just charred. Two gold, we had two golden retrievers that died in the garage. Um, thankfully, the, the puppy got out um, and was saved, and thankfully, the, the gal um, 
that was our friend, it was okay too. But um, so yeah, house burned down, did not get into medical school. Um, we were sort of displaced. So we stayed at some family friends' house. They had an extra house in the river that they used for vacation. So we were staying there. And um, during this time, I was pretty kind of upset, probably upset with God, upset with you know things not kind of going the way I had planned for them to go. And so I, I remember using pornography some during that time to start to escape a little bit of what I was I was feeling and what I was facing. Um, it was kind of a darker time for sure, and yet you know God was there, and um, I remember do, also crying out to Him, and there was definitely a change within you know, a period of time. Um, I retook the MCAT, I reapplied, uh, I started interviewing, I got into four medical schools the second time around, and then there was this really bright spark of light when um, it was a New Year's Eve party that I was invited to. So, you know, this redhead named Erin that I had talked about earlier, so she sort of invited me to a New Year's Eve party at a friend's restaurant in Portland, and so my mountain biking friend Jason and I went to this party, and um, we were hanging out in the basement, playing ping pong, drinking some champagne, having a good night, and then Aaron comes over at one point in the night and sort of said, um, so you never really talk about any of your girlfriends, um, and you're with your friend Jason, are you gay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this was back in the early 2000s. <laughs> so, um, I was a little bugged by that comment, but uh, Aaron was also wearing some pants that night that were really nice. And I remember, I remember, I'm not, I'm not going to give you graphic anything, don't worry. So, um, but I remember like seeing her, I, I had known her for a friend of, for about five years, and we had had some mutual friends, so um, we had been getting together off and on for five years when she was back from India, and then she was back going to college. She wanted to go to medical school, too, after her time in India, so she was on that same track, and um, something something changed, and I went up to visit her for a weekend up in Seattle, and we had a great time, um, and I had always measured some other relationships that I was in, and I dated some other people to Erin, she was sort of the standard. She was pretty, but she was also smart and challenged me. Um, so, kind of interestingly, I, had, I, had, I was going to Philadelphia, I was going to start medical school out there within like six months, and things started happening quickly with Aaron. So we basically dated for two weeks, and we were engaged for two and a half months. Um, so we got married quickly, just before moving out to the East Coast, and had a great little wedding in her parents' yard, which was beautiful, lots of flowers. My dad officiated. And we've got ter terrible pictures, so you'll never, never see any pictures of our wedding. <laughs> um, but it was a great, it was great. We, we were in love, um, and then we were off to the East Coast. Um, so we went on a quick two-week honeymoon. Everything's two, see? Two weeks, two months of engagement, two honey honeymoon for two weeks. And then we packed up our little U-Haul, the smallest one you, know, you can get, and we just sort of headed across the country, camped along the way. And... Um, so she was a year behind me. She finished up at Temple University, and then she got into the same medical school that I was a part of. So we were busy, and I don't know why, but we decided to have two kids during all that time. 
So um, I know why. They're amazing. <laughs> but so yeah, Eloise came along, and then Simon. And just to summarize the rest of the season, because it's kind of a blur to me anyway, we were working like 80 hours a week in residency, and we had a nanny, and it was insane a little bit. But um, we got through the season about seven years um, in Philadelphia. We didn't have any family out there. We, we made some friends. We were part of a few churches. So we had some support, but it was kind of a blur. And um, I'm going to keep going here. So here's a picture of Eloise as a little baby. Isn't she cute? None of our kids had hair until they were about three years old. And then there's Simon. This is that season of our life. You always had the cutest cheeks. And then that, that was Erin's cowboy phase that she went through. And her cowgirl phase. <laughs> So, <laughs> so some of the truths that I learned during this season were that God really knows what I need, um, and He doesn't want me to be alone. Um, you know, He has always provided relationships for me that have been amazing, and um, you know, Aaron was the answer to a lot of prayer. I don't know how, what my time would have been like on the East Coast for seven years alone. It probably wouldn't have been very good. So I'm really thankful that. Things happened the way they did. And um, God is he's good and he loves me and provides for me in the midst of my struggles, disappointments, and challenging circumstances. So he was there through all of that. And I think Simon and Eloise aren't too traumatized by that busy season. <laughs> I remember picking them up from daycare. There were probably only two white kids in the, in the daycare <laughs> in Philadelphia, but um, some of the daycare workers felt bad for our kids because we'd send them with like... Um, you know, rice and beans or tortillas. And all the other kids were eating McDonald's and pizza. Like two-year-olds, you know, one-year-olds and two-year-olds. So I remember picking up Eloise with a big pizza crust in her hand. Like some of the care workers had felt bad for her because she just had, you know, <laughs> healthy food. I know. So, um, and then Psalm 139. I actually had started to write something on this before the other folks spoke. Um, and... Um, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. So sort of this concept that no matter where we go, God's there. Even, even if it's the eastern horizon and not western horizon, he's there with us. Then this last section is more, you know, coming up towards the present. So we, I, I had a obligation. Um, I had the government pay for all my schooling through this government program, where in turn you work, doctors work in an uh, underserved area for a period of time. So I had four, a four-year commitment. So we started looking around, and we we could have gone to, you know, some of the territories, Puerto Rico. Um, rural and urban type places where doctors were needed. And I remember we had been away from family for about seven years. When we, when we saw Yakima, Tapanish on the map, we thought, oh, let's go. Let's go check it out. So we came and we interviewed. I think it was in 2009, no, 2008, that fall. 
and found a job in Toppenish working with the Hispanic community, um, using my Spanish, and fulfilling my, my government scholarship. Um, we really loved, loved this area, and we let our, our roots grow. We had two more kids, so here you can see George and Beatrice. That's what they look when they go on a dad hike. And um, Beatrice, if you looked closely, she has stuff all over her face. Probably give her a fruit snack or something. Um, but yeah, George and B were born. And life was really moving quickly after we got here. So things were really, seemed really great externally. So beautiful, supportive wife, four kids, enough money, ability to travel. Things are great, right? Um, I had taken on the role of medical director at the clinic. And I was overseeing 20-some providers and 150 staff um, in addition to seeing patients. Yet internally, I found with the stress and other things that I was going through that I was really struggling. And um, I, I was finding myself, um, I think, medicating stress and looking for a dop dopamine rush at times with porn, uh, internet pornography, probably once or twice a month. And even though I, I was still walking with God and I could hear his voice, I... Um, just trying harder and just doing better wasn't working. So things kind of came to a head when about three, over three years ago, we went down to California, took the kids to Disneyland, and my mother-in-law came with us and we had a great time at Disneyland. Then Aaron and I had a kind of a long weekend where I had a medical conference in Palm Springs and we were just gonna spend some time together. And what ended up happening was I, I just felt myself found myself struggling you know, more than ever. So I was crying out to God, just saying, you know, what is this? Why am I, you know, everything should be going well. I'm doing all the right things. And I'm really struggling in this area. And so I felt like that was kind of, kind of a turning point. I, I remember reaching out, talking to my dad, um, part of a group with Dusty. I remember talking with Dusty. And within a short period of time of coming back, um, there was a guy that came here to the church that, we had a guy's night where we talked about this very issue, and some groups started after that. Um, and I was a part of this group called Pure Desire that uh, has been really good. And you know, a lot of things, some of the things that I learned through it were, you know, trying harder just isn't enough. You can be a great Christian, you can be doing all the right things, and there are times where we can have addictions, we can have um, problems with our our brain and how we handle stress and things, to where. Just trying harder is not going not gonna to help. We need to have our minds renewed on a daily basis, like, um, like Paul says. And I began to realize some of what was behind some of what I was struggling with. There were certain lies that I had believed, not that people had necessarily spoken over me or my parents had said. I had great parents growing up, great family. But there's these lies that can kind of creep in, things like, you'll always be alone. You will never have good friendships. You are a bad person, you know? So things that I had sort of allowed myself to believe that were probably fueling my, uh, my issues. And so I began to really see healing in this area and um, find, find freedom. And it's been really, really awesome. I have, my marriage is better than it's ever been before. Um, some of the relationships that I've developed along the way are some of the closest relationships that I've ever had. So all these things, all these areas where I think the enemy meant to just kind of take me out, um, he's been using to 
um, to further his kingdom, to bring me to freedom, and then I think others to freedom. So, this is a few Halloweens back. I have no idea what I am wearing in this picture. And I don't really know what Ryan is wearing either. But Christy makes sense, and Aaron kind of makes sense. <laughs> Simon, I want to go rock climbing for one of his birthdays. I think he was around nine years old. So some of the truths that I, I learned during this most recent season... Um, are to really grow, you know, grow roots where he plants me, not be not being afraid of the future and where he's taking me. Uh, you know, the struggle, even in my my weaknesses, he's strong. And oftentimes, some of the things where the enemy wants to destroy us, God turns around and he uses it so that we can help other people. And um, so remember that, you know, that word that I got in in college from the the guy that came to our church. That's kind of happening. I mean, there's been, I've been part of, part of some groups and helped to facilitate some groups where I've seen you know, guys come free from, from this stuff and walk in new freedom. And we're still, we're still in progress. I'm not saying everything's perfect, that I have it all figured out, um, but that you know, God has us in this process. And sometimes he brings quick healing in our lives, and sometimes healing takes time. So being, you know, being willing to give him space and the time to bring the healing that he wants to bring. Um, he makes all things new, and his timing is perfect. And I've also learned that he wants to give me joy during the battle. So you know, sometimes we, we pray that we'll just get through the next hurdle that we're facing, the next mountain that we're facing, and then hopefully we'll be happy and find joy on the, on the other side. But I believe God really wants me to experience joy in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the battle. Um, he doesn't want us to do it alone. He wants, to, he wants to have, us to have other people around us that can love us and support us along the journey. But I have experienced that. I've had lots of times where, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm battling, but I'm experiencing joy at the same time. And ultimately, my, my freedom is not so that I can have a nice life and kick back, but it was bought with a high price. So it's, it's so I can love and care for others around me. And I think as we go through healing ourselves, we find freedom ourselves, um, the, the natural course of things is oftentimes to start to look around and say, wow, I need to pay this forward, or I need to um, care for others around me that are also um, in, in some dark places. So I wanted to read my my family now. Kept growing. <laughs> so Psalm 23, New King James Version. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I thought about that actually this morning um, as I was praying, and kind of sums up a little bit of my, my walk. You know, there's these awesome things, these mountains and these valleys that I've gone through, and God's been there all along the way. Um, so I, I wanted to leave a little bit of time this morning for just ministry, and I feel like God was speaking to me that there's, um, there's more freedom for us, and that if, if you're experiencing just, you're feeling stuck in a particular place, um, or you want more freedom, or you want healing from something, I feel like God might want to do something this morning. Um, so, Dusty, do you want to 